Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi, here as always with Nima Tavali. On today's show, we will be rounding up another exciting weekend of Serie A action. Napoli win again, Ossimen and Kvaratskhelia score again. Milan stop the rot, we'll analyse their win against Torino and preview their Champions League clash against Tottenham. Max Allegri unleashes the dream trident of Chiesa, Vlaovic and Di Maria against Fiorentina. While we have a new developing young star of Italian football in Ramos, Rasmus Hoyland, is he the next Erling Haaland? Roma draw at Lecce with a, an actual farmer scoring against them. <laughs> and we also have one of the most prolific weeks in history for Premfacery. You do not want to miss that section. Um, for, for our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more. Go to patreon.com slash TIFP and you can become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. Uh, and for all of you listening on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, etc., we would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and a follow subscription as this um, it really helps us to, to spread the gospel of, of Serie A and Italian football. Okay, right, let's get straight into it. Okay, one place to start only, and that is Napoli winning again uh, against Cremonese. 3-0 victory against Serie A's bottom team. That means that as of Monday afternoon, which is when we're recording, Napoli goes 16 points clear at the top of Serie A, although that will be cut to 13 points if Inter beat Sampdoria in the Monday evening game. Um Really, there was the, the two stars of the show, uh, as is usually the case, and that was, of course, Kvarat Scalia and Osimhen. It was the Kvara Osimhen show. Kvara, on his 22nd birthday, scored in the 22nd minute with a fantastic goal to break the deadlock. Um, and Osimhen, he doubled the lead. Um, he scored for the sixth game in a row. He's got eight goals in that in that uh, in that sequence. Top scorer, remains the top scorer of Serie A. 17 goals in 17 starts in Serie A. Uh, as I've been saying, only Haaland has a better average and more non-penalty goals in, in Europe's big five leagues. Um, and as I also said last week, I, I think he's he's showing that he's more complete than Haaland. Um, but together, Cavada and, um, and Ossiman are virtually unplayable uh, right now. And Napoli are... Well, they continue to cruise to this um, to this Scudetto Nima, don't they? They do. It's um, it's no longer it's it's not been a Scudetto race for a long for quite some time, and it's it's a coronation, and it's going to be a coronation, and it's going to be a historic coronation. And the the thing that I take with me from this the most is how Napoli handled um, the first half, because before that goal, Cremonese stood up really well. Um, and they actually, you know, Lozano saves a goal. I mean, if he doesn't track back there, Cremonese score. Um, and he, but but it also demonstrates the unity of this team and the morale they have when they all are willing to sacrifice themselves for each other when one makes a mistake. And that's something that Spalletti's done really well, creating a team here. 
um, on top of all the technical and, 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 and fantastic attacking stats that we've already spoken about. It's, it's the fact that he's created a team. Um, no, it's, it's, it, was, it was very interesting to see. I mean, they, they should have had a penalty, which was one of the clearest penalties all season, which they didn't get, but it didn't bother them. You know, that, that's the thing. Before, things like that could completely derail Napoli in a game and, 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 and by extension their season, but it doesn't anymore. They they keep hammering on. They have this belief about them. They have this confidence and calmness about them, even though they have that, that those incredible fans, those crazy fans on the stand, and the noise level um, that that every time Napoli attacked, it was the the, the contrast between that and when the, every time the ball went towards Cremonese's penalty area it was just it's just unbelievable. Just watching it, um, it's it really is. A, it's 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 really crazy um, to see uh, what is going on and how 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 Napoli are really taking on this season and, and the way that they're doing it. And I mean, I saw a stat about how. At this point, only Juve and Inter have in the three-point era won more points at this stage, uh, 60. Um, Inter, in, uh, in the immediate aftermath of Calciopoli, and I think it was Juve in 18-19, had 60 points. Napoli are 59. They are going to win, and they're going to win deservedly. But re- more than that, if we if we pick apart the game itself, Ossiman, when, like, I know it's become a talking point these past few weeks, but the leap, his leap into the air when he attacks the ball, whether it's in the middle of the pitch, there was a situation where in the first half when he headed the ball, when he jumped up to head the ball over the Cremonese defender to go chasing after it himself, it was like watching, it was it was crazy. It was like watching, like, he went up in the air like an arrow. Um, the, the spring in his step is crazy. Um, I've, never, I've, I've never noticed it until now. Um, it was, it's genuinely like, wow, you stand, you stand in awe when you see it. Um, and he is, he, he alone, you know, I'm not saying Cremonese are the best, are exactly the best team in the Serie A defensively. I think for the first goal, Cernicola, especially, why doesn't he close down Ossiman? He doesn't push forward. He just waits for us. Uh, sorry, Quaratschelia. He waits for Quaratschelia to go at him. And, and then, you know, I feel for Karnaseki in goal, who, who was, furious with his defenders but um overall you, you, you the way that Ossiman just occupies three or four defend uh, defenders by his movement his constant movement his ability to link up always being a passing alternative and also because of he has teammates around him who never stop moving either and are also very technical they they just become this they just become this power force uh, that is unstoppable. Um, no, it's it's genuinely it's genuinely uh, they they are a joy to watch, and 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 it's going it's becoming more and more evident, and it's dawning on people that Napoli are actually going to win the Serie A, and and that is that that's really cool to see as well. Yeah, I mean, I actually thought for probably a good. 45 minutes to 60 minutes on, on Sunday evening. Uh, and Napoli were far from their best. I mean, the, some of their passing was actually quite loose. Usually their passing is is so good. Um, but there was a lot of loose passes, um, uh, you know, in the you know, definitely in the first half. Um, but what I think what Napoli have is they always, they have so many different weapons and so many answers, uh, so many different ways that they can score. But also, you know, when it, when it is, the games are tight or there isn't that many chances in a game. 
Uh, and there wasn't that many opportunities in clear opportunities in this game in the first, you know, first half, first first hour of this match. They have these two superstars in attack, Kvara and Osimen, who can just score out of nothing. And that is, you know, in order to be a truly great team, you need to have, you know, you need to have players that can resolve the game on their own. And that's really what what Kvara did with the first goal. I mean, he made that goal out of nothing. That was just a moment of, of magic. Really cutting in from the left, cut, cutting inside two players, and then and then burying it into the bottom corner. I mean, that was there was that, that wasn't a team goal. That was that was that was all on on Kvara. and you know so so Napoli have you know if the games are tight, Kvara and Osimhen will do something magical to to you know to to win the game. I mean, even the third goal, the third goal was a that was the goal of the of the game. That was that was a world. Let me tell you, that was a world class goal from Elmas. That half volley strike. Anyone that, that will tell you that the hardest volley in football is when the ball hits the ground and it's and it's just just bounced and rising rising up after the bounce and he hit that on the on the bounce as it was rising and like an arrow into the bottom corner and you know Elmas is again just another example of, of of you know he's having an amazing season he's an incredible weapon off the bench or from the start uh, he's really exploded this season and and he's on great form as well he's got. Five goals in in his last seven games, and he's actually become the the number one option, attacking option off the bench after those you know after the front three that, that start. Um, and you know, six goals this season. He's only started six games. He's like like Simeone in in his numbers, like for for um, you know minutes played and everything. And um, you know, everybody is in such great form as a team, but individually, uh, and probably. The funny thing is, if you were to name one Napoli player, starting player, who who maybe hasn't been absolutely outstanding this season, I think the only player you would name, on-field player anyway, would probably be Lozano. He's been good, but he's not been, you know... Agreed. Abs- he Agreed. hasn't been incredible, has he? Whereas every other player on the pitch, right, the right-back, Di Lorenzo, left-back, Mario Rui, the two centre-backs, the three midfielders, and then obviously Quara and, and Osman, they've all played absolutely... They've all been outstanding. You could make a case for all of them being yeah. in the Serie A team of the season. Lozano's been the only one who's just been... He's been good. He's been yeah. not, not, not amazing, not, not bad. But even Lozano, if you watched him in the last few games, Lozano suddenly hit form. And he's been playing fantastic. And he was, he was brilliant last week. And and he was um, and and he was uh, and he was and he was excellent again uh, last night. So so now it's like, well, what else is there? What other? What is there left to tip? There the- really isn't. It really <laughs> yeah. is the perfect. Like it really is. I mean, I before a couple of years ago, I said that I think this 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 Napoli side, the the fundamentals were there for for Spalletti. I think it's the best. It was Spalletti was was would be perfect for this team. But not even I could imagine that they would that they would be the most perfect Spalletti team ever, and that he is so right for them, and they are so right for him, and everything, all the everything on and off the pitch, tactically, in terms of man man management, his quirkiness, his his eccentrism, everything is just coming together. Um, I it's it's genuinely it's 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 well deserved for Spalletti. I'll put it to you that way. I think he has been so, and I keep saying it on this part. I think he's been so disrespected unfairly uh, in Italian football, and people have looked at him and said, "Oh, you never won anything," and not even looking who he was up against when he won, when he didn't win anything with Roma, both of those stints at Roma, 
and also what he did with with Inter, bringing them back to the Champions League with a midfield of Borja Valero and Matias Vecino. I mean, nah, don't you know? Give respect. I mean, he turned Brozovic. He's he's the reason Brozovic is this world class player he is. It was under Spalletti that he made this step, and he does this time and time again. We've seen it at this Napoli. We've seen it at Roma. We've seen it at Inter. You know, this this is who he is, um, and and he is so underrated. He's criminally underrated as a coach. And, I mean, the stats as well. Best attack, best defense, plus 39 goal difference. I mean, you know, what, what are you going to say? I mean, it really is the it really is their year, and, and congrats to them. And if you want to see the gap, him. if you want to see the gap between Napoli and the rest of Serie A, aside from the, the huge points difference between first and second, have a look at the, the difference between Napoli and the second best team in Serie A for goal difference. Napoli with a plus 39 goal difference, as you just said, or the second best goal difference in Serie A, uh, ahead of Inter's game on, on Monday night is Lazio with plus 18. Mm. <laughs> plus 18. And, that, and they've got plus 39. So like well more than double the the the, the goal difference of of um of the uh, second second place second second best goal difference in Serie A. I mean mm. it's it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, and again the rotation as well. Every substitution, getting it right, and every substitution having an impact, and Elmas' development. I mean, now he's genuinely almost too good to be on the bench. Um, mm. The development he's had, and that's another thing that's fantastic. And you know, can what can Ndombele do? Can I mean, I've always said on this pod, if he can rehabilitate Ndombele, that will be his Mona Lisa. That's his Sistine Chapel. That is his masterpiece. If he can get Ndombele and unlock the potential in there then that is Spalletti's greatest achievement as a coach in, de- in terms of individual development. Mm. We're, we're the jury's still out on that, but what he's done with Elmas, Lobotka, is just mm. nothing. Or Mario just, Rui is just Ah, all of them, all of them. Just, just, all of them, all of yeah, them. Yeah, just to, um, just just quickly on Cremonese, obviously, bottom of the league, they look uh, absolutely, yeah. definitely going to be going down to, to, to Serie B. Oh, yeah. Um, they're still without a win all season. Will they go the whole season without winning a game? What do you think? No, I think they. I think they will win a game. I think they will win a game. I think towards the end of the season, when it doesn't matter anymore, when they've been mathematically relegated, and when things, because I think we're, we're. I don't think we're going to see that much of a drama towards the end. I think maybe around the you know European spots and maybe around the last relegation spot, but I don't think we're going to. We don't have a title race. Um, we won't. I don't think we will have. For second and third, will be pretty much wrapped up as well. Uh, it'll be the European spots, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, I think, uh, and and also the last relegation spot. And I think by then, you know how it is in Italy. They they tend to not when they don't have anything to play for. They tend to just you know, you know, it's let's just play off these games. I think I think they will go uh, on on a uh, they will win. I think they will win a game. Mm, okay, and I well, think they deserve to because I actually think they they play some decent football. Um, I, I think they they've been a really f- you know just just don't look at the results if you've actually watched them play they've been a breath of fresh air in Serie A. Mm. Okay, well talking about a team who did uh, manage to win a game for the first time in a, in a long time and that was Milan who ended their their horror run of five defeats in a row by getting a, a really absolutely vital win against Torino one nil a win that um, well Milan have been pretty steadfast through this time saying that, you know, Pioli's job wasn't at, at risk. But I mean, realistically, it, it, it had to, it, it was at risk. It had to be a risk because you don't, be. you don't lose, you don't go on your worst run for five years without, without your manager <coughs> being in, 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 in trouble. Um, so this was absolutely crucial to, 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 
to, to end this bad run. Um, it didn't look like it was coming, to, to be honest with you, after watching that first half. I mean, Milan were, were really bad again uh, in the first half. Um, Torino were, were dominating possession, um, had lots of good moments that they wasted due to their, their blunt attack. Um, Milan were, again, like in the intergame, passive, just like lacking structure, lacking identity, lacking intensity, just not really understanding their movements, having moved to this this back three, this this three four one two three four two one kind of formation that they've been playing. Um, but second half they were better, Milan. They were better. They, they they created they created a few good chances. They had had a couple of good chances before Giroud scored the winner, um, and it was a brilliant brilliant header from Giroud. It was good to see Teo and Giroud combine again. Um, for, for the goal, to see both of those players play really, really well. I thought we saw the something close to the, the real Teo again because he's been really poor, as have everyone. But since, since the World Cup, he's looked, as has Giroud to a lesser extent, they've, they've looked, both of these two players have looked like they were a bit of a hangover, a post-World Cup hangover, which is understandable because, they, you know, France went all the way to the final. Uh, these two were great uh, and they combined for the goal. Teo should have scored a second as well when, when, when he, he put a... Uh, he put it wide of a well, virtually an open goal. Um, so it was a much needed win for Milan. Um, we just have to hope now that they can take this forward and, and build with it. Um, I think that you know, if we want to take the positives from this game, I think it was good to see that the crowd stayed with Milan. Um, me- I think many fan bases would have been booing Milan, especially after that first half. They, they would have booed Milan off the pitch uh, at half time because they really were really bad again in the first half. But they didn't. They they stuck. They stuck with them. And then Milan, the second half, they, they came through and they won. Um, also, another positive, you know, Zlatan back, back on the bench. I was bench. just about to say that. Yeah, like, you can't underestimate, why, can you? The reason by, for, with all of this, it, it really felt like now dad's back. Dad's been away on a business trip. Now daddy's home. Everyone on their best behavior. Everyone working hard. Everyone concentrated for 90 minutes. Everyone work, Even though they were, aren't in form, everyone works hard. Everyone does their job. Everyone is focused. Because otherwise, you know, you're going to have that, you're going to have daddy looking at you with a stick, threatening to kick you in the ass. Like he's, he's got that presence about him. When he comes into Milan, I don't even think he's, I think, I think it's nonsense that he's going to like the, the thing about him starting. I don't think he's anywhere near starting. I think the fact that this was more a case of, can he start to reintegrate slowly and do some exercises with the group? Yes. And so just to have his presence there, I think just raises the concentration level of everyone. And we know that because Milan have said it, that, that it does. And players have said it. Leao have said it, has said it. Teo has said it. You know, even the Swedish national team managers have said that when Zlatan's in, on the pitch, even when he's not playing, just his presence, everyone sorts themselves out. They, they concentrate. They, the, the level is, the, the level of the quality of training is higher. No, he's he, this is who this is his role. I think that's the um, that's the role he needs to have at Milan because he can't continue to play. I think his playing days are over. It breaks my heart to say that as someone who has followed his career and it's been a journey that has been fascinating to follow, but I think his play, playing days are over. This is the role he should have. I think this is he should he should be the guy who is the is is the team manager if you want to call it between Milan the dressing room and, and the, on the board and backing up the manager and getting everyone to stay focused. I think this, he's, this is the role he was born to do right now, right now in moment in time, this is what he should be doing. Cause I don't think he will ever play again at that level. I don't think he, his body just can't. I mean, 
he's he's he has he has milked out everything out of that body and i think it's becoming a point where i don't think we'll ever see him on a football pitch again i hope i'm wrong but i don't think we will yeah it certainly was strange to see him not included in the in the champions league squad yeah yet. that that yeah. is another evidence, yeah yeah yeah. yeah well he's not included in the champions league squad yet he's in the, <coughs> yeah yeah a few days after making the decision he's on the bench um, yeah. for this game so that did yeah. it you know it did raise a few eyebrows as to whether mm, is he there just to just to try and influence them from the bench and and you know i'm i'm sure he he did have an influence uh, and the other positive i would say is it's good to see milan keep a clean sheet and it's mm. the first, you know, first clean sheet in, in I think, I think since November, I think since before the World Cup, um, and you know, so they they've been conceding so many goals recently, and um, that is the one positive they have they have tightened tightened it up a little bit at the back, um, even against Inter, they only conceded the one goal, or that was more down to I think down to a bit of luck really than 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 um, than you know defending well, and um, but you know. I, I I don't know about you, but I I'm still not convinced by this three man three man defense. Yes, it worked against Torino, but you know, like I said, the first half Torino were dominating. They dominated the possession. They were the much better team. But they're just Torino. We know what Torino are like, and this is one of my criticisms of Ivan Juric, who I who I like a lot, is that Torino just don't. <coughs> ne- they just never look like scoring. They just don't create enough chances. Um, they're too predictable when they attack. When they attack, uh, and it was the same in this game. They were the better team. They didn't create enough. Um, I just think against better teams, like we saw against Inter, and I know we'll come on to Tottenham in a bit, and they've also got Atalanta later this month. I'm just not convinced by this three-man. I mean, it's three, whether it's a three-four-one-two or three-four-two-one or three-four-three or three-five-two, whatever they play, I'm not. Sure. I'm just still. I'm just not convinced they have the players that really suit that that formation and I think they're just learning on the job uh, at the moment um, I'm inclined to I'm, I'm a little bit more um, on the fence now than I was before and the reason for that is because I think when Mike Mignon returns I think they can play uh, back three because of how quick he is and how much how he commands the area both in the air and on on the on the ground and and his passing and all that I, I do see because I think that's kind of what he did last uh, season as well. I think the reason why we're seeing them concede so much from set pieces is because Mike Mignon was so fantastic in the air that he he masked a lot of those deficiencies from Kalulu and, and Tomori in the aerially. I think they can play a 3-5-2 or, or a back three, but, and this is a big but, they need to sign a right wing back. Calabria is not a right wing back. Calabria can play to the right of a back three, yes, I think that that's absolutely something he can do. Teo, I think, could morph into one. It's more natural for him to to do one. I still think he's a more of a fullback, but yes, he could play as a wing back. Um, but um, I think I think the right right wing back position, and when Manion returns, and also they have to sign another striker then, uh, because or or if you're going to play with Leao as what as a what as a false. Now, or, or one of these, one of the top, one of the two, but he's he's more roaming. It works with Giroud, but again, you still need another striker because you're still a man short. Because they were already a, a man short, and Origi is certainly not up to par, and Ibrahimovic is not going to play. So I think I think in the summer, if they're going to go down the route of three five two, they need to sign players who can play in it. Um, as for now, um, 
just just doing making that change i think will have an impact will will have everyone on their toes and and beat beat whatever you know um C- complacency that may exist in terms of, you know, um, be it, uh, uh, you know, unintentional or subconscious uh, when you play one system for two, three years, people might become a little bit complacent and not do that extra work and think, oh, I've got this. I understand that. But so I think this will definitely keep people on their toes. But I still think that they need to sign players in order to play a 3 5 2, especially a striker and right wing back. And that's that's my take on it, and Magnon needs to return. Yeah, I, I just I, I'm I I just I don't really I don't agree with the logic. It worked in this game. They got the result in this game against Torino. Um, I don't particularly agree with the logic of matching up with the same system as all the teams that they're playing this month, who are Inter, Torino, Tottenham, uh, and Atalanta. That all play with a back three, but you know these are teams that understand this system inside out. They've played it for years, uh, and they know all the movements, uh, all the mechanisms. And you know Milan don't. You can see that clearly. They don't know. They are learning it on the job. Uh, and you know in this game, Torino were not good enough offensively in attack to make Milan pay. Inter were and Inter missed chances. They should have. They should have won by much more than one goal. Should have been won by two, three goals at least. Um, you know Tottenham, we'll see. Um, but obviously they're a they're a they're a much better team than Torino, and they've got firepower in attack. And, and Atalanta, well, we've seen what Ata, I mean, how much how well Atalanta are playing right now. Um, I just don't. I just logically, in terms of logic, I I don't I don't like the idea of matching up. Uh, and also because I just feel like this has taken away the the strengths of Milan. Um, that intensity, that identity, that high, you know, that, okay, maybe they didn't need, they needed to, the high press was maybe costing them and they needed to go to more of a mid block, maybe make themselves more compact. But I just don't understand why don't they just go for a, an extra man in midfield, go four three three, put an extra man in midfield, give you an extra number there, make yourself more compact that way. Not, I agree with you. Not, I think, I think four three three is much more natural to yeah. this Milan side than, than than three five two. Um, I agree with you on that. I really yeah. really do. And because also, I think you, you you can retain your identity but still be more compact. And I think the four three three was agreed. the way to do that. And I think that's agreed. that's something that Saki said last week, which I think I said on last yeah. week's show. Um, by, by by putting going three at the back, it's they're 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 losing a man uh, and they're going to be defending. And I, and I don't think they na- they defend naturally either. To be honest with you, I don't think they're a natural they're a team that defenders that na- naturally defend well. Teo isn't a natural defender, uh, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. Liao as well, um, he he looked uninterested again uh, in this game, Rafael Liao. And mm. I just want to apologise to all our listeners uh, listening to the snivelling and sneezing in the background. I've got a bit of a cold. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I, I think, for me, Milan... Playing a four-three-three um, is is the way to go forward, uh, but I do understand why Pioli feels he needs to do something, and if he feels that the four-three-three doesn't give them um, what he wants, he, that it's too similar to the four-two-three-one for him. Um, I, I get that, um, but I still think that the, the Milan, if you look at it from a longer perspective, I think going to a three-five-two, they would need to buy more players, and I'm not sure they're able to. To do that, and also, I don't know where you play De Ketela in a three-five-two, either. 
Um, and, mm. and clearly he's someone... Well, I guess it's been more of a 3 4 one 2 hasn't it? I mean, Bracken yeah. Diaz, who actually did all right, yeah. actually, in this game, um, was playing behind the front too. So, I mean, I guess Di Ketteler can be that man. But, I mean, the way Di Ketteler's been this season, I mean, you you just you just can't trust him at all. It's not even worth playing him at all, to be honest with you, as brutal, mm. brutal as that sounds. But let, let's move on to Milan-Tottenham previewing that game. Um, so they're playing on, on Tuesday evening, last 16. Champions League is back this week. One Only one Italian team playing this week. Uh, Napoli are playing Frankfurt and Inter are playing Porto next week. Um, so Milan are at home at San Siro in the, in the first leg. Um, if, I mean, looking into this game, if you'd have asked me a week ago, I would have, I would have said, I'd have put all my money on Tottenham to, to win this tie. Um, I would have given Milan... 10% chance uh, at most probably to, to, to win this tie. That's how bad Milan were, you know, going through this this worst run of form for five years, just how badly they were playing, how bad in bad form, not only as a team, but individually. I mean, I don't, up until this weekend, I don't think you could pick out a single Milan player that was, that not only was, you couldn't pick one that was playing well, but you, you couldn't pick a player that wasn't playing terribly. <laughs> you know, it was, they, they, that's how bad form all of them have been in. But obviously they've got this win against Torino, you know, we have to hope that that gives them a little bit of a confidence, gives them a bit of a jolt. The injuries that they've got, um, well, Mike, Mike Magnon's going to be out, but we have to hope that Tomori and Benacer are back. I think they're back in training now. So the hope is that at least one of those will start for this game. Uh, and then on the other side of the coin, Tottenham. Um, Tottenham go into this game on a, on a heavy thrashing. They got thrashed by Leicester 4-1. Um, but also, they've got two big injuries. Um, Loris uh, in goal, um, which some might think is a bit of a blessing because he, he really has been so bad for Tottenham in the last couple of years, especially this season. I mean, if you look at the number of errors, I think he's made like four errors for goals this season that uh, led to goals. I mean, he's, 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 he's horrible. But Fraser Forster coming in, I'm not, I'm not sure about him either. Uh, but also Benson Kerr has, is injured. He's done his ACL um, at the weekend. Hoiberg is suspended for the first leg. Bissouma is out as well. So I haven't got a clue who the hell they're going to play at centre midfield. They're probably going to have to play Skip and and maybe Saar, who's a youngster. So, I mean, they are really completely decimated at centre midfield. So Milan, Milan should be winning that midfield, which also goes back to what we said about 3-5-2. You, you know, Milan should dominate, absolutely dominate that centre midfield. If Benacir starts with with Tonali, they should absolutely run the show in that midfield. But they're going to be going, if they go into a to a, a defensive system, I think that's a mistake. But but anyway, um, and um, so yeah, Tottenham are in are going to this game in bad shape, bad form, and bad bad physical shape as well. So because of that, I give um, I give I'm, I'm more confident with Milan going into this. Game. I still have Tottenham as as as, as favourites. Um, not overwhelming favourites, but but reasonably strong favourites. But I think Milan now are, are, are more in or more in with a chance. And if they can get a win in this first leg, then yeah, let's see. What no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I, I think now it's more open than it was before. But I still have Spurs as sixty five percent, sixty five thirty five favourites. But you never know. Um, you never know. Um, given for all the reasons you just. You outlined, but in midfield, yes, I do feel that, in, that that Milan have to, you know, dominate even, you know, without without Benasser. If but if he's back, of course, Benasser is is a fantastic player, and Spurs are without Bentancur and Hoybjerg. So 
No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think I think you laid it out brilliantly there. But I still think that Spurs are are um, our favourites to go through. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, and also with with Conte, um, <coughs> you know, he has a terrible record in the in the in the in the Champions League knockouts, um, and uh, you know, I think see, one, that, that, that one I think speaks one knockout, for one knockout tie in his career. He's won. Um, yeah, but this he, he's but this is now against an Italian team, and I think that's what speaks in favour of it. It's the San Siro. It's the return to to Italy for the first time, pretty much since he left Inter. I think this is um, this is one where he will come super prepared for this game. I don't think he's gonna. I think he really wants to. to he knows he's not going to win the Champions League, but he wants to 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 go past Milan. I think that would give echo in Italy as well and in Europe. And he's not a stupid guy, so I think he will. He does have a terrible record in Champions League knockouts, but he did go through the qualifying. You know, they they won their group. I think he wants to to send a message here. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. Also, I would say that, and then Gianfranco Zola said this um, uh, while while previewing this game at the weekend that Antonio Conte, his teams always react after a bad defeat. Um, so mm. losing four one, it's very rare to see an Antonio Conte team get hammered and then not show some kind of reaction. Um, that has been less apparent though this season, to, to be honest. I mean, Tottenham, yeah. it hasn't looked like an Antonio Conte team. Uh, this it season. really hasn't. It really hasn't. And and one thing that uh, you see is, I think, with um, I mean, the defenses. You have to remember Rom- this weekend. I mean, that Ben Davis, Dyer, Tanganga back three is 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 awful. But Romero will be back for the Champions League, and I think that is incredibly important. And and Coti Romero knows how to play against Milan and Serie A teams, so that's also a big factor. But yeah, no, it's 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 not as you know, it's it's more open than it was before, but. I still think Spurs will go through. I hope I'm wrong, though. I mean, I want all three Italian teams to go through, but I'm, I mean, that we have to that. hope also that Milan find new motivation, and that can yeah. happen in Europe sometimes. Absolutely. You know, you can find Absolutely. new motivation, especially for someone like Rafael Liao, who has looked just totally unmotivated. He's looked yeah. like a player that feels like, you know, what I've won Serie A, I've been Player of the Year, I've done what 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 I need to do in Serie A. Uh, I'm now got my eyes on something bigger, uh, maybe moving to the Premier League and. The, the the Champions League is is you know the the the, the bright lights uh, the Champions League music just gives that motivation for him to, to 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 show himself so maybe this could be the game that Rafael Leal comes out and and kind of shows his real self because he hasn't been the real Rafael Leal in uh, well since the World Cup. Um, let's move on to Juventus um, who um, who who uh, win. Uh, narrowly, that that you really said that like begrudgingly. They 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 won and and they played the three trio that you wanted. No, no, so I was that just, means you I have just... to give credit to Allegri, and yeah. it really pains you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was wondering I was wondering uh, how to present this. Whether we should go, whether we should talk about the the VAR stuff, or whether we should go with. Let's go positive first. Let's let's look at the um, Allegri unleashing the. The Chiesa, Vlaovic, Di Maria trident. Because whenever I watch Juventus uh, under Allegri, and I think I've said this for the last eighteen months, I and like many Juventus fans, I've become so indifferent and so numb to watching them because they're so bad to watch that it's it's like 
oh, what is there to be excited to about Juventus today? Uh, well, that, that that is the case. That's just, I'm just describing how I feel, and, just, and that is how many, many I would say most Juventus fans are. But this game, finally, Unlisa Trina, Kiesa Vlaovic, Di Maria, and I was a little bit excited. I thought, yes, let's see, let's see what they were, what's what these three can do because you know they're three very exciting players, uh, and. You know, they didn't quite hit it off. This is the first time I think they played together. Um, there were a few exciting moments. I mean, Di Maria made made Rabiot's goal. Uh, Vlaovic had a goal disallowed for an offside that was was so so tight, uh, millimetres. Um, Chiesa, you know, Chiesa had a few lively moments as well. Um, so, you know, this is what the fans want to see. Uh, and... You know, it, it meant that Juventus always looked like they could create chances, uh, even though... You know, the patterns of players, I say, are not there. And I don't think they ever will be there. But when you've got these three on the pitch, there's always the chance you're going to create something. Um, whether the 3-4-3, which is the system Juventus played, is too attacking, too open against better opposition, perhaps it is. Um, but against smaller teams and against teams that have so little to offer in attack, like Fiorentina, which is a crazy thing to say for an Italiano team, but they really have so little to, to offer in attack because their attack is so bad. Um, this is the front three we want to see, uh, and you know, so I want to see more of of this this front three uh, in attack going forward. Having said that, though, uh, and this is why it's so this is why it's so infuriating when you see Allegri almost throw this game away with with his ridiculous subs and doing what doing basically doing what he always does is instead of going for that second goal, he tries to shut up shop in the last 15 minutes. He, he takes off Di Maria for Fagioli. He takes off Chiesa for Paredes. He goes into a low block. He goes he goes ultra defensive, just, just everyone behind the ball. Uh, and Fiorentina completely dominated the last 15 minutes. Um, Jovic headed just wide, uh, very, very close with, with, with Chesney beaten. And then Juventus are, are very, very lucky with, with Castrovilli's last minute disallowed goal. It was the correct call, as was the as was the, the Vlaovic one, but Juventus were very, very fortunate. It's the tightest offside decision ever. It's a it's a hair, basically, a hair breadth, which I think Allegri actually admitted after the game that he doesn't want to see these kind of offsides given. See, you know this is this is exactly what I mean. I I, I don't care. Look, I understand that the technology has gone forward, but it's if you're going to make these inch-perfect, millimetre CSI offsides, the technology has to be CSI accurate. But it's not. And so one-tenth of one inch of one's heel or one-tenth of one or one-eleventh of one's forehead, it makes it looks ridiculous. Um it really comes across as stupid and silly, and I agree with him. I, I, I don't, it's, regardless of who it is, it, this stop this because either you allow for um, some leeway, leeway here, and say, okay, if it's if it's like there's a zero point one percent, you know, uh, within zero point one percent accuracy, or, or it can be wrong by that, then then you let this millimeter offsides go because it's it's not. It's, it, it would be completely different if they had 100, like, do you know what I mean? Like, if they really eliminated beyond all, you know, th- then I'm okay with it. But when it's this tight, it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. I just can't take it seriously. I, I know. Really it's, it's, it goes back to the old, it goes back to the old discussions, doesn't it, about the actual accuracy because there is that, 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 um, that area uh, that 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 I mean, how much is it that there's a, the delay, isn't there, between um, you know getting that accurate mm. 
how accurate it is. So it's never 100% accurate. But then what do you say? Do you say one millimetre, we let it go? Two millimetres, do we let it go? Three millimetres, do we let it go? Where's the cutoff? Do you know what I mean? So it's a a difficult one because then you'll you'll get one that's two millimetres. There's slightly, slightly more than what we saw with these two uh, offsides uh, on, on Sunday. And, and you'll say, well, why should that one let be let go? But this one isn't. This one is still minuscule. So it's, I don't think there's ever going to be the, the, the perfect solution until we, unless we actually get the technology that, that basically <laughs> makes it perfect, you know, uh, which I'm sure will come at some point, um, as long as they're not Lee Mason <laughs> operating it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, on the positive side from Juventus, I thought that they did create a lot of big chances uh, in this game. I mean, Moise Keane missed two sitters. <laughs> I mean, awful. Um, yeah. Awful. I mean, he's, he's just, yeah, he's become a parody. And Rabiot, Rabiot was excellent. He's having an excellent season. Six goals this season. That's the joint best uh, of his career. He's probably been Juventus's player of the season this season, which which says a lot about Juventus. Um, but apart from him, I think probably him or Bremer, I think they're they're Juventus's best players this season. So you know he's available on a free at the end of the season. Doesn't look like he's going to sign a new contract. And um, yeah, I mean I think I guess I mean he will be a useful player. Uh, I'm not too sad to see him go because I want to see Juventus rebuild their midfield in a different way. But but I think uh, he's definitely been. He's definitely had an excellent season. We, we can't we can't deny that. Mm, no, um, as for Fiorentina, just just a, just a quick note on on Fiorentina. Um, their attack is horrendous. It's horrendous. Um, they've only got twenty three goals this season. Uh, only six teams have fewer goals in, in Serie A, and you know they just the attack just offers nothing. I mean, with the exception of Gonzalez, who I do like, but I think he's having a very bad season because of fitness problems and his form and stop start and everything and I'm not sure how motivated he is I think maybe he, you know he would be up for a move away but just none of them are up to standing and Jovic has been such a big disappointment Cabral has been a massive flop I mean it's so bad that Kwame is playing ahead of these guys and I mean just, nobody can tell me Kwame is a Serie A level player let alone a, a Fiorentina level player uh, and you know but I, I, I'm I a fan of your Italiano uh, I, I, I want to you know, I, I don't want to put the blame on him with this attack because it's just a it's just dreadful. This attack. No, I'm sorry, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. None of these players are good enough. Ne- well, none well of who is good are, enough? Who? I mean, this is the are. thing. I'm sorry, but he supposedly be supposed to. It was supposedly going to be you know his attacking football and blah blah blah. I'm sorry, no. It's unacceptable that Fiorentina have four defeats in the last five Serie A games. He's got one wins and two draws in the last seven in the league, and they're in fourteenth position. With a team that I think Gonzalez, Jovic, how, how Cabral, all of these players are good enough to get Fiorentina at least in the top ten of the Serie A. Oh well, yeah, I, been, would, I would agree they're underperforming. I would agree they are underperforming. underperforming but they're, and they're it's, and it is Vincenzo Italiano. Not by much. Not by much, though. No, not, I think they are. They are underperforming by quite a bit, and that is because they have a coach who thinks defending is optional. He doesn't understand that you have to have balance in both areas. The defense of the pitch. hasn't been the problem though this season. It's been it the has. Attack. The attack they are. has they, been the problem. Not well, the because, no, no, the thing is, when you watch them, they actually, in attack, they do come to positions and they look kind of okay. The problem is, it's not the players themselves. It's, I don't, I don't look at, I'm not blaming the players on this. I'm sorry. It is him. He has failed for two seasons now. And he wasn't ready when he took the Fiorentina job. He had a fantastic, he did absolutely brilliant. He didn't fail last season. He got them into Europe he, last season. Oh, please, the Conference League. Congratulations, finishing yeah, but he second. He got them in the top seven. Yeah, that's not no, that's, so, that's, nah, that's, mm. 
That's mm. what's expected, though, Nima. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna like canonize Nima. him for finishing and coming to the Conference League. And also, not even that. When you look at what he did at Spezia, was fantastic. It was absolutely unbelievable. He had no business getting them promoted, much less keeping them in the Serie A. The football he played was fantastic, absolutely. But the next step, the development for him to become this this fantastic super coach and this new the new dawn of Italian football. I'm sorry, it's not there. I'm not seeing it. And he has failed at Fiorentina for two seasons now. No, Fiorentina I'm sorry, Nima, You can't say he failed yes, I can. last season. I can. Nima, he, he failed. He did fail. I can say that because I think he failed. Nima, he did not he, get he, the most out of that. He overperformed last no, season. No, he didn't. No well, way. Well, he came above no Atalanta. Way. Atalanta came eighth. Fiorentina well, came seventh. Atalanta seven. had one Fiorentina, bad season after Fiorentina seven good ones. Fiorentina finished two points. Two points behind Lazio in fifth. Yeah, um, Fiorentina. So they could, they almost got in the Europa League. Yeah, because Lazio um, last season were not a Sari team, and he still did the best he can. I'm sorry, but here with Fior- with 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 Italiano, last did- season, last season he did well when he when he no. had Vlaovic and he actually had a, had actually had attackers that could attack. This season they are underperforming a little bit. I'm not going to d- sit here and say they're not underperforming. They are. But they're not underperforming by much because they're they're underperforming massively. Yeah, I think I'm I'm certain I'm certain Italiano will have a very very good career. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying he. I'm not saying he's not going to have a good career. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that up until this point with Fiorentina, he has underperformed, and Fiorentina have invested. They have have given him the players that he wants, but he doesn't seem to know how to make it work. And what was supposedly going to be so outstanding was his attacking game, and now that's not even working this season, and they just look dreadful. I they would say like, judge him when he's got attackers. These attackers mm. are dreadful. None of these are top 10 attackers. None of them. Except for Gonzalez, none of these players are good enough for top 10 teams. They are. They absolutely are. They're good enough. Jovic is good enough for to finish top 10 in the Serie A. I think there's... No, no, no. Not, based on, not based on what we've seen in the last three years, he isn't. He's Cabral should be able to... Cabral it's, it's, is dreadful. I'm sorry, I'm not mm. having any anyone defend Cabral. He's horrific. <laughs> he's absolutely horrific. And as for Kwame, 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 how many goals does he have in the last three years? Two goals? I mean, yeah, but, he's... he's Kwame no, is not even Serie B level. Ikone is decent. Barak is decent. Ikone's Amrabat okay. is good. Okay. Castrovilli is decent. Mandragora is a good player. Duncan's yes. a good player. No, he has a good midfield. Um, Brekalo is decent. Uh, Sotil is all right. I know he's still young and, and developing. No, I'm sorry. He is underperforming with this team. Um, he, he absolutely is underperforming with this team. And, and, and I think they should let him go in the summer. I really think so. I think it's time to move on. I think the step up from Spezia to Fiorentina was too big for him. He wasn't ready for it. And I think he needs to go to, to, to a smaller club and, and, and build from there and show what he can do. Because Fiorentina are, are losing money. They're spending money. They're wasting money on someone who's not delivering. And it's been going mm. on for two seasons now. Um, I think they're paying. I, we're going to we have to agree to disagree. I think yeah. he's paying the price for a bad transfer market. I thought he mm. did very very well last season. He overperformed last season. You mm. can't. I'm sorry, you can't say he underperformed last season. I think he, he underperformed. Seventh for Fiorentina is not an underperformance. Yeah, that's mm. it's not an underperformance. You can't say seventh Fiorentina is an underperformance. That you know. So this season, yeah, there's no doubts about it. Anyway, let's move on to um, uh, Lazio versus Atalanta. Um, well, specifically, I want to talk about Rasmus Hoyland. Uh, is he the new Erling Haaland? Because this game, he was absolutely unplayable. He absolutely destroyed uh, Lazio in this game. And in 2023, he... I mean, I remember at the beginning of the year, we had a, we had a question from, from one of our listeners. Uh, you know, who's going to be the breakout star in the second half of the Serie A season? And mm. I picked him. I, re- I picked Rasmus Hoyland. And I said, you know, I have no doubts at all this guy is going to be a star of the future. Whether it's right away or not, I'm not sure, but he's absolutely shown he's he's ready already, and he's got five goals in in 2023 already. He only just turned 20 this month at the beginning of at the beginning of February, 
Uh, he's been obviously been called the Danish Haaland, and, and there are some comparisons. Uh, he looks a little bit like him, as Gasparini said, uh, but he's built like a beast. I mean, six foot four. He still hasn't finished growing yet. I mean, he could he couldn't reach six foot five, six foot six, maybe. Um, he looks like he was grown in a lab, like like Haaland was. Uh, he's left footed like Haaland. He's strong and quick like like Haaland. And, and Gasparini said that he can run the, the hundred meters under eleven seconds, which obviously shows just how quick he is. Um, and he's been linked with a lot of the big clubs, Premier League clubs, but also all of the big um, Serie A team teams. Uh, and against Lazio, he was. I mean, he scored one. He went close on on many occasions and. There was one moment uh, in the match in particular that's that's gone viral where he just he just sprints through the centre of um, of the of the Lazio defence from from the halfway line um, onto a one on one and it was like the Lazio defenders were 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 running in slow motion and or running on the spot and he just zoomed through them um, and and he missed the chance he should have put it away but he was he was absolutely fantastic and and. I mean, what a, what a talent this this guy is, Nima. The thing that gets me is 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 the fact that he he is pretty technical as well. He's big, he's strong, he's quick. They can't get near him. Like when when he battles them for for defenders for for the ball, he almost wins that all the time. They look like small children around him. They just can't get the ball off him. And he's he's a decently he's got decent attack. Ta- uh, ta- he's got decent technique as well. So. I mean, you see, you know, I understand the Milan links. I understand the Napoli links. Um, I, you know, if, if Osiman leaves and you have this guy, you know, it seems like a natural you know, step to go. And Milan lacking a number nine, as we've spoken about just before in the previous segment, it's it, it does seem like this is the guy they should be going after. But we also know that Atalanta know how to charge for their players and that's why they usually sell to Premier League clubs Um, and the ones the criticism against Atalanta players outside of the Gasparini system is exactly that that you know these players look amazing in the Atalanta system from Gianluca Mancini to Gagliardini to Cristante and so on and so forth I I don't think this guy has any Atalanta tax as the kids say at all I think he is. He is the real deal. I think if he continues this development, we have a potential superstar on our hands. I yeah. really, really think so. He really impresses me every time I watch him. No, I agree. I agree absolutely. I, I, I as soon as I saw him, within ten minutes of seeing him in the first game, you could just, you can just tell with some players. You can tell straight away. Uh, and I mean, to, to see someone at nineteen—I mean, he's just turned twenty—but even in the first mm. half of the season, to see someone at nineteen years old, to see grown men. 10 years his, uh, his age and big guys just bouncing off him. can't get near him. You know, and, but the way he protects the ball as well and, you know, just, just his all-round game. He, 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 you know, even he had even his right foot as well. He had a, had a shot in the first half against Lazio where he, he sprinted from the halfway line uh, from left to right and then and did, did a daisy cut that went just wide with the keeper beaten. And, you know, I mean, I'm just going to read out a quote from Gasparini. Hoyland has the same has the spirit, energy, intensity, but also the technical quality that is just remarkable. He still has so much margin for improvement. He has very similar characteristics to Haaland, not just his face. So Gasparini's actually said that as well. Um, Considering his height, he has a low centre of gravity and can move his legs very fast. I'm convinced it will have a great career. He just gets stronger every day. I mean, yeah, I I think he's, you know, I think he's, 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 he's destined. He's destined for the top. Uh, he really is, and Atalanta do it again. 
have to learn to do it again. I mean, they just keep finding these these young. Well, they they are unbelievable. I mean, we had a question. I think was it on Thursday's pod with the the Patreon pod about you know if Italy's bad at you know if all Italian clubs or or you know spotting talent and scouting and I and I, and my response to that was that it depends on the club, and I think Atalanta show that they are they are one of the best. Yeah, at doing that in the sure world, are. not just Italy in the world. Mm. And Atalanta were fantastic in this game. They they created chance after chance. It was it was vintage Atalanta. It, it really it was, was. But what was, a goal by Zapacosta! Oh, amazing. I mean, yeah, <laughs> what yeah. a their finish. players are hitting form. I mean, they got Hoyland and who's exploding now. Lukman has been great all season. Mm, Those two really link has. up. They link up really well. Coop Minus is having a great season at centre midfield. I think he's been one of the best central midfielders Agreed. in in the league. Um, and Edison is starting to pick up now. He is he is starting to pick up because I I tipped him at the start of the season mm. and he had a slow start. To be fair, he didn't he didn't quite fit in. He had some injuries. He's I mean Gasparini was really praiseworthy of him after the game. He's he's starting to find himself as well, and he does have a goal for it. I think he will start scoring goals. Um, you know, and like you said, Zappacosta as well scoring goal. What I mean, a goal! I mean, yeah. that was for me the goal of the of the of the weekend uh, mm. in the Serie. Yeah. Uh, I thought yeah. it was stunning. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of the coin, what has happened to Lazio since that Milan four 0 They they thrashed Milan four uh, 0 They haven't won since. They've they've had four games since there in all competitions. They haven't they haven't won. I think they've lost two of them. They've dropped out of the top four. This mm. was. I mean, they got hammered. They got destroyed in this game. If it wasn't for Providel, it would have been a much bigger scoreline. <laughs> Yeah, I think the XG was. was something like 3.5 to 0.3 or something, yeah. which is like the one of the biggest hammerings you can possibly get. Um, I know they haven't been easy games, but yeah, what, what's, I mean, what's wrong? What's wrong with Lazio? I don't think there's anything wrong. I just don't think, you know, this is why I keep saying, and, and you know, I know we have Lazio fans listening to the pod and they say this with love and respect. I don't think they have a squad that can deliver what Sari wants week in, week out. Yes, this summer was fantastic summer. The, the was probably the best mercato that Lotitos ever had, and they gave Sari more what they what they wanted, what he wanted. But it's still not good enough to compete week in week out um, at the top four. And now with Juventus out of it as well, um, I, I just you know and Milan returning a little bit to you know the, the, returning you know to some form. I just don't see how Lazio finish in the top four. I really don't. I think it's going to be Roma. I think it's going to be Roma, Milan, Inter, Napoli. Mm. Yeah, I think. I think uh, one other thing I would say: Immobile. Uh, he turns thirty-three a week today. He has looked really old since returning from injury. I don't want to say anything because you know he's coming back from injury. So let's give him some time to get back yeah. from injury. But it's not a really long-term injury, so it wasn't. A really and also, long-term. if you take into consideration how fantastic Lazio have looked when he's not been there. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, respect for Chiro. What he's done yeah, at Lazio yeah, yeah. is put a pin in it, though. Put a pin in it because he turns thirty-three. It'll be interesting yeah. to see. You know, let's, let's yeah. see. Let's, let's, let's see how see. he does now. Let's just give him a bit of time. But he has yeah. looked old, really. Yeah. So for the first time, he's looked old. Um, really and you know, but it might just be the fact that he hasn't. I mean, yeah. He hasn't quite got over the injury yet. He hasn't. Yeah, he's working himself it. back into injury. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a friendly as, injury. As for the other side of Rome, Roma. Uh, they draw one with Lecce. I mean, not too much to say about this game. Um, they, they, well, were the they were the better. They were the better. Yeah, we'll come to that. I'm going to ask you because I want to know what you think about this guy. Uh, Roma were the better team in this game. Probably should have won, and it does set up the top four race nicely now. Atalanta, Roma, and Milan all joint third on 41 with Lazio two points back into two points ahead. So it is very hard to call who's finishing. But I've got to say the individual brilliance that we saw. Um, Tammy Abraham's little flick. 
uh, El Sharawi. Uh, El Sharawi's dribbles, Lorenzo Colombo's d- dribbles. I mean, there were instances of this game, individual performances that were fantastic. And Dybala and Pellegrini. I think Mourinho's onto something here. This is how you play them with El Sharawi. Those front four are very interesting to watch. And the link-up between them, now that Dybala and, and Tammy are, are, are enjoying life together... And Tammy's dropping in and doing these flick-ons. And uh, no, no, Roma, Roma are looking very exciting. Yeah. Uh, that front. Well, four. El Sharari's almost making that left wing back position his own, and which is, I guess, it's sad for Spinazzola. He hasn't been the same player since the Euros injury, has he? Um, no, he hasn't, and and it is a difficult it is. injury to come back from. But yeah. what it has allowed is it's unlocked Pellegrini. It's allowed Pellegrini and Dybala to play together. It's allowed. It's given them defensive balance because he's not a wing back, Sharabi. He's actually more of a winger, and they've got Matic and Pellegrini kind of covering up behind him. Okay, uh, a note on Lecce. We have to talk about Vasquez Otto. Um, it's a great, great story. So he's the Lecce centre-back. He's 26 years old. He's he's quite literally a farmer. So for whenever you get the, the Prem faces talking about farmers' leagues, um, <laughs> Serie A is often put into the conversation along with Bundesliga and Liga and, and all the other uh, European leagues that they've, they've, they've destroyed. Um well, Federico Basquilotto is quite literally a farmer. His family has a farm, uh, and in pre-season, he actually works on the farm. Uh, yeah, he grew up working there. Um, yeah. They they have an Instagram page, uh, page as well. It's Azienda uh, <laughs> um, Agricola Basquilotto. They're called yeah. the Basquilotto Farm on, on Instagram, <laughs> uh, and it's they're in Verona. Uh, it's in Verona, so. Um, it's yeah. um yeah it's it's I mean he looks like he works on a farm. I mean the guy is He's built, built like I mean he sh- he looks like he sh- he should be in that world's strongest man. Yes. Uh competition. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. He and looks like he looks like he can I mean I think actually on World's Strongest Man they actually like pull tractors, don't they? I think yeah. I actually think I actually think that's like one of the events on World's Strongest Man like pulling yeah. a, pulling a tractor like you, he probably does that on his farm, like that. So, well, that's he, there, is, there are photos of him, uh, you know, w- w- on the farm with, with next to the tractors and, <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty cool. Um, no, it's it's a really cool story. He spreads and, manure. I've seen an, I've seen him. I've seen an interview with him where he talks yeah. about spreading the manure and and. and yeah. No, he's and, uh, he's he's a farmer. He's a, a literal farmer, and yeah. and he's that that goal as well. Like when he comes hurling at you, no, you don't, you want to be don't stand a chance. <laughs> like <laughs> no. he will put like like the, the the sheer the guy is huge and it's all muscle. No, um, so no, it's, he, is it's an, really, he is an absolute beast, and he is such a threat on set pieces. He's now got four goals in his last nine games for for, for Lecce. Um, mm-hmm. You know he's a, he's a real threat on set pieces, and there's even been talk of him getting an Italy national team call up. I mean, is he of the level that I Kelly don't know, is? man. I don't know, man. Like, mm, is I he think refined? It's... Is he refined enough to be to, to that's, play, that's the to play thing, for a bigger though. team? Because I've I've seen some people calling. I, mean, I saw Patrick Kendrick <clears> saying that he should be a replace. He could be a replacement for for Scrinia at, at, at Inter. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't I'm... seen enough of him. Studied. I want to study more of him before I can I say something like for that. Skriniar, no, uh, it's one thing to play for Lecce and 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 to do it, but for an Inter who who you know are are expected to control games and lead games and where uh, his passing and you know because Skriniar is actually a good passer of the ball. You know he overlaps. It's it's the right centre back of the back three. Baskirotto, I don't know, man. 
I, I think mm. I, I do think that Roberto Mancini would be foolish not to have a closer look at him because you need to have an inventory of what you've got. And we don't have many centre backs. Yeah, like so to be honest. Yeah. yeah, and and he is. Let's remember that he plays in a back four. It's next to Umtiti, and together they've been great. Mm. Um, yeah. but 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 no one better back... to learn from either than Umtiti, yeah, which is exactly. another great story in itself. But yeah, yeah, I think I think that I think you know what I think the fact that he works on a farm and his whole appearance as this big beast, I think it works against him because you just think country bumpkin don't you like that's 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 what that's the image you have in, in your mind don't you like this kind of country bumpkin playing for the italy national team it, it, just again, doesn't, it doesn't feel right like and italy play england next month in the euros qualifiers and then just the, the thought i mean i'm just picturing it already the thought of baschirotto lining up in that game against i mean it reminds me of gabriel Paletta lining yeah. up for lining up for italy against england at the world cup it's like what is this guy doing here like who is this guy where have they got him from? Who let him where in? have they got him from <laughs> yeah know? who let this guy in <laughs> yeah. um yeah i always just look at for me who the, the the greatest expression of who let this guy in is lionel messi on the pitch after the world cup final looking at salt bay the expression <laughs> on messi's face is who literally embodies who let this guy in here mm. Um, yeah, that, that, that is that, that is that just, brilliant. very very funny. But I got you know two things. Lecce, I I mean this the football they play, what a team they are, and at home and because of what they did, they made the season tickets so cheap and tickets so cheap. They're pretty much packed every single weekend when they play, and the atmosphere created. I mean, it's just it's such a beautiful thing. I mean, you you know where I stand on geographical representation of, of the league. I think it's good to have the more team. I, I mean, I want teams from some Sardinia. I want teams from Sicily. I want to have geographical spread. I think it's good for the league. And and Lecce also play some good football. They really, really do. And now nah, Marco Baroni, you know, has done a yeah. very good now, job. Now, one of your prediction hits this season, you definitely, you said, you said Lecce this season. And even though the table doesn't really tell the story um, of, 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 you know, how good they've been. They, they probably deserve a few more points, to be honest, than what they've got. But they are, they're one of those teams that no one, no one wants to play, no, especially if you're away. They, they, no. they give problems, they will always give you problems. Um, They'll cause they, you headaches. Yeah, um, absolutely. At home. And, and one thing I've written... They burn out, though. They burn out in games. I've noticed well, that. They, yeah. they, they play with an intensity. They burn out later on in matches. And that, that's something that's, that's been um, holding them back a bit. Where they, they are absolutely. great to watch. Yeah. Absolutely. But one thing I want Milan to do, I'm not saying Colombo's good enough today, but they have to call him back and look at him and have a proper preseason with him next season, uh, next mm-hmm. summer. I think he, he warrants it. I really think so. Yeah. Okay, right. Rest of Serie A calendar, just go through a um, couple of thrilling four-goal thrillers. Empoli 2, Spezia 2, uh, which had two red cards. Daniele Verdi scored two goals, including a, an absolute dream of a goal. Uh, Vicario did another penalty save, although it got retaken for a joke of a decision for in, apparent encroachment where millimetres over the into the penalty area. And Udinese to Sassuolo to another another great game. Uh, Berardi got injured, which is uh, really really frustrating. Uh, um, we have to see how serious that is. And then Monza uh, won one nil at Bologna. Bologna, uh, sorry, Monza are the most informed team in Serie A after Napoli and Inter. Uh, they're on great form since that terrible start to the season. They've they've been. If it wasn't for that terrible start to the season, they would be threatening for a 
for a Europa League place um, mm. onto Woodby. They, they've been that good since then. Because they're, the, the, the quality of the squad is that good. It's just Stroppa was an insane decision mm. to keep him on. And I kept saying it. I was, I was thinking the sooner they get rid of him, the better off they'll be. And now they have a they actually have a good coach in Paladino. Yeah. And, and he's getting the most out of them. No, no, they would. They would be in the Europa League. They'd be right there with mm. the Europa League spots. It wasn't for that Stroppa, the bad run under Stroppa. Yeah. Um, Okay, uh, and Verona, Salernitana, Sampdoria, Inter, they play on Monday Monday evening. We're recording this on Monday afternoon. Um, Nima, uh, you're going to come in here because you, you want to read out a really nice message we had from one of our patrons on Instagram. We need, we yeah. need the help of our listeners, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, basically, we got um, a, a message on Instagram from a guy named Sam. Uh, he said, I'm going to read it to you guys. Hi, guys. I recently came across your pod on my search to escape the nonsense of the Premier League. I've had glancing interest in Serie A over the years, but I've never found as good an entry point as your patron. I'm incredibly grateful. Thank you. This is a stupid question, maybe, but maybe you'll humor me. I'm looking for a team to support. I'm leaning towards Roma because I do love the city of Rome. But after watching the Milan derby, I'm erring. As much as I'm rooting for Napoli, I don't feel comfortable jumping on their bandwagon. I want to hunker down with a team for the long haul. And then he continues, just to give a bit more backstory. I don't really spend much time as a photographer anymore these days. It's more of a past life. Recently, I've been writing for music magazines, and I'm trying to cut my teeth on subjects beyond music. This got me thinking that I'd like to write a piece on my search for an Italian team and what it means to be a fan in the modern sporting world. My history with fandom is not rooted in London, the city I was born. My father wasn't a sports fan, so there was no lineage there either. The only sports fan in my family was my grandmother, who was from Mississippi, and she was a Man United fan. I think she fancied Alex Ferguson. (laughs) So I guess what I'm saying is that I never had that tribal connection to football growing up. That is, until at 18 I moved to LA, and the long story short, I became a rabid Laker and Dodger fan. One of my biggest sadnesses was that I wasn't in LA for the Dodgers World Series win. About eight years ago, I came back to London, and after a while, due to the time difference, realized I couldn't watch the Lakers and Dodgers as much as I wanted, so I turned to football to scratch that sporting itch. After 15 years of watching American sports, it was strange, very strange, but I persevered, and through a friend, the Fiorentina fan, I started to get it. During this time, Mo Salah played for Fiorentina, and we were like, holy shit, who is this guy? As you're well aware, he wasn't there for long, and I kept football in the background, watching the occasional Fiorentina game at Cafe Uno, but still unable to get into the Premier League. That was until Mo landed at at Liverpool and I jumped on board adopting Liverpool as my team and now have a pretty good knowledge of the Premier League. I'm fascinated by sports in general and everything that goes along with it from the fans to the business and that may be why I want to get more of an understanding of Italian football and seeing my Italian is pretty rudimentary, your pod has been fascinating to listen to. Um, I would, um, and then he, and then he ends it with saying, I would greatly appreciate any advice on this life or death dilemma. Best Sam. Well, thank you for that message, Sam. And it's a long message. And, and I love, I love reading it because one of the mission statements of this podcast is to spread the gospel of Italian football to new and old, uh, new and new and new fans and older fans. And this is exactly it. Um, so I was thinking we want you guys to get involved. Uh, whether you're a patron or not, doesn't matter. Um, get involved. Send us on Twitter. Uh, tag us at Itafootpod. Send us why Sam should become the fan of your team. And we were going to hold, um, and we're, what we're going to do is I'm going to put out a tweet uh, with a poll for about a week, uh, or as long as you can put it out. I don't know if it's a week or how long it is on Twitter. 
and we're going to to to, to mention. I'm going to mention as many options as possible. Um, which clubs uh, Sam should vote uh, sh- should 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 become a fan of, and you guys can just tag us or reply to that tweet. Um, voting, of course, which team he should vote, which team he should support, and if and also let us know which uh, in in the tweets tag us. Let us know why he sh- which team he should support and why he should support your team as well, and we'll we'll send this over to Sam and uh, let you know once he's made his decision and we might have a little surprise for him as well. So yeah, get involved. And also thank you so much, Sam. This, this really means a lot. The fact that we've been able to bring someone in who didn't like Italian football just by listening to the podcast is, is incredibly humbling. And we're very grateful to that because that's kind of what we want to do. Yeah. Thank you. Just don't support Inter, wherever you do. Anyone else. <laughs> no, just support anyone. Yeah. And, and yeah, basically if you, if you, if, if you, if you're a Star Wars fan and you, if you watched Star Wars and you wanted the Emperor to win, then Juve is your club. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Right. Um, just before we move on to bad Jane Prim face of the week. So yeah, European football is back this week. Milan, Tottenham, <clears throat> Champions League, last 16 at San Siro, the first leg uh, Tuesday evening. Then on Thursday, Europa League last 32, uh, Salzburg, Roma and Juventus, Nantes, the first legs of those games. And then in the Conference League on Thursday, we have Braga against Fiorentina and Lazio versus Cluj, the first legs of those as well. Okay, uh, let's move on to Baggio and Prem Face of the Week. Okay, Baggio, Nima, we've just had, while we were recording, um, just had a break-in story from the former Udinese and Sampdoria midfielder, Jakub Yankto. So do you want to take that one away? Yeah, um, so basically, um, I mean, we, we had quite a few, if we're just talking on the pitch, Tammy Abraham's flick, uh, Zapacosta's goal. Um, but we, we did have a, you know, before before um, uh, recording, we, 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 we just basically had uh, uh, Jakub Jankto. He's on loan at Sparta Prague, I think it is now, from Getafe. He's 27 years old. He played for Udinese. He came up, uh, he was bought as a youngster at Udinese, and then he played there for a few years, and he went to, to Sampdoria. I'm just going to read out what he put up. Hi, I'm Jakub Jankto. Like everyone else, I have my strengths. I have my weaknesses. I have a family. I have my friends. I have a job which I've been doing it as best as I can for years with seriousness, professionalism and passion. Like everyone else, I also want to live my life in freedom, without fear, without prejudice, without violence, but with love. I'm 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 homosexual and I no longer want to hide myself. That was incredibly moving. Um, I think that was so honest and the fact that what he said about I don't want to live in fear anymore. I don't think anyone should live in fear. Or, or 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 fear of violence or hatred or anything like that, and I think that is for him. I mean, now he's the most high profile football male footballer to come out. Yeah, and I think it takes. But it still shows. Players. They're still active. They're still active. Yes, of yeah. course. Yeah, of course. Mm. That's still active because most I mean, of the most generally come out after after the career, which is still yeah. a problem within football. Um, but you know, um, what's his name? The former Germany, uh, Hitzelsberger. Hitzelsberger, yeah. I mean, yeah. he came out afterwards. Um, but yeah, Hammer, I mean, yeah, I think he's got to be the most high, high profile in terms yeah, of probably, ability. Yeah. Though, yeah. I can't think, in terms of ability playing in Europe. Yeah. I, I well, he can't. was in the German national team, wasn't he? Um, yeah, but I mean, Yankto, in terms of oh. current active players, like, I think he is the most high profile um, that we've had that's still playing. But for me, the thing that I liked the most was almost also the fact that at the end of the video, it it said something along the lines of, this is not a, 
advertisement. This was just it was it just came across so incredibly sincere and honest, mm. and and I think that was I, I think that was a that was that was something that you know we we wanted to pay tribute here because that was yeah. that was great you know yeah no one should live in fear of violence or hatred uh, at all, and, no. and and that was that that really resonated with me. No, good luck to the guy, and this um, yeah, this uh, I'm sure. Well, it has been from what I can see. It's been. Uh, it's been well received everywhere, as it should be. Um, yeah. So, good luck to the guy. Um, Prem face of the week. <laughs> There's so many to this choose is a golden from. Week. This is a golden week for Prem face. I wonder it's... if this is not the best week ever for Prem facery. Mm, I don't know. During tournaments, World Cup tournaments, and Euros, you you, you get it <laughs> every day. To, to be honest with you, the competition uh, to win to become the Prem face of the week is like murderingly high. Like it's, yeah. it's like it's, it's becoming as difficult as winning Olympic gold now. Like <laughs> it's just every week. It's just oh yeah. dear. Okay. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know which one to start on here. Um, yeah. You which one should start, we start on? You start with you start with yours one because we've, we've spoken about this. So yeah. Okay. Well, I want to start with Phil Shern. Phil Shern. <laughs> Phil Shern. I think it's pronounced Phil Shern. Shern. Uh, yeah, Shern. Phil Shern. So. But this guy is such a prem face that he even pronounces his own name wrong. He calls himself Phil say. Shane. Shane. Yeah. <laughs> it's a German name, and yeah. it's Danke Shern. He even yeah. says it on his profile on his um, Twitter profile it's 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 german danke schön like shane and it's like yeah. no it's schön <laughs> yeah yeah so there's not really much hope then is there that i mean this is a guy that was commentating on a marseille game uh and uh malinovsky was taking a free kick that, that got blasted i mean way over the like over the stadium in fact i've never seen a, a free kick go over the bar so much <laughs> you've was, never seen freddy guarin shoot then <laughs> it was like it made Freddy Guarin looked like he just just skimmed the bar compared to this free kick from from Malinovsky, um, and the commentator uh, Phil Shern or Phil Shane um, calls Malinovsky uh, Russian, which is obviously a problem to start with, given there's a war going on there. Uh, and then he said he he sent the ball back to Moscow. And what was else that he said about the, the Sputnik? Did he say this something about the Sputnik as well? Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I, I didn't. Uh, the, the clip I saw is he said Malinovsky, the Russian, and <laughs> yeah, and he said he sent the, he sent the ball, the ball back halfway, to halfway to Moscow or something. Yeah. Mm. So that's the, that's the number one. Uh, number two is Tim Sherwood, who who is uh, an honorary member of the of the Prem Face Society. He seems to be on here pretty much every week. Um, so Tottenham got hammered four one by Leicester on Saturday. Um, Pedro Porro um, didn't have the, the best game, it, it seems, and uh, Tim Sherwood was absolutely hammering him in the studio. Uh, so, and then he said how he'd seen him play in Europe for Benfica. He never played for Benfica. <laughs> never played for Benfica. <laughs> but I got I just on the just on the Phil Shan thing. Uh, Mal- Malinovsky got obviously up, uh, upset, and he said, "What's up, Phil Shan?" And he replies, "I have to read this, Ruslan. Sincere apologies for my slip of the tongue." I did say Ukrainian often. However, after your shot, I did say Moscow once. After filling an hour because of the tear gas, I have no idea about Russia. Serious, sensitive times, which I pray over often. I apologize for the mistake. And then Malinovsky replies, Damn, I didn't think that the gas in France could make effects in Florida. (laughs) Because that's where they are. They recorded off too. I'm sorry. Because you made a mistake on TV, I would like to hear apologies during the next live stream, not on Twitter. Also, for Make Prayers Strong here, there is a list of organizations which have been helping Ukraine since the Russian invasion. And then, of course, he's he he he, he donated $100 to some 
to, to I think it was Samaritan's Purse, Ukraine re- response. Who did uh, the donate, donation, uh, donation? What's his name? Yeah, Phil Shun did. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? Fair play to the guy then. Yeah. You know, if he's making but a um, I just thought the, 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 the filling the hour with gas and then he's the, the tear gas making its way to Florida, that <laughs> sent me. That literally sent me. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, no, it's, it, at least he owned it, which is you know what? Than, fair play to the guy. Yeah, I would I would take, I'll, take, I'll take back what I said. You know, he he, but it still doesn't make it any less funny. It was no, it's <laughs> hilarious. It was hilarious. But I, I I think this week's prim face is got to be Jamie Carragher, who said who who argued. He actually says that he thinks the Premier League is financially the European Super League, but then thinks that Real Madrid and all these other clubs should just accept being the pre- in the predicament they're in. <laughs> what? No. Why would they? I mean, it's just, it's mental. Like, it, it literally is like convincing people saying, no, I think you should accept your fate to be my servant forever. Why? Because reasons. I mean, no, no. <laughs> it's just, no. Um, and it's, it's just hilarious. I, I love, I want to thank them. I want to thank them all. I want to thank the entire TalkSport staff and and people, Jason Cundy and and Simon Jordan, who also was talking about how uh, the championship is is essentially just as good as some of the top leagues in Europe. Um, I, I want to thank all of them for saying stuff like this. Not because, well, partly it is true because they're at least owning the fact that the Premier League and the Championship even is is becoming the are dominating every other league in Europe financially. But I want to thank them because this level of arrogance is exactly what me as a proponent of the European Super League loves. You're doing my job for me. You're doing it. You're helping me win people over to my side. So please don't stop. Continue with the arrogance. Continue with the premfacery. And I urge everyone who's listening to this, please share. Don't, you know, sharing is caring. Share the content of these people saying the most ludicrous thing about how, you know, how how the Premier League is the best thing on earth and that they have more money than God and they, that's, that's just the way it should be. Share it to everyone you know. Share it in every group chat you're in. And especially if you know any German people and Bundesliga fans, please share it to them because we need to have the Bundesliga on board on this. Because I can guarantee you that about six, seven, eight, nine months of these people talking like this, everyone will be demanding the European Super League in no time without the Premier League clubs. So I want to thank the I want to thank Carver Solhekol. I want to thank every single one of these guys for doing all for doing my making my job, my work, my for making my life easier by just doing it for me, by being so arrogant and so unaware and so entitled. So please continue. I love you all. Yeah. Well if it saves us from Jamie Carragher, then then I'm more. No, no, I think he should more. Get, look, broadcast talk sport in Germany and France with subtitles. Make sure that everyone hears everything they say. Share it to everyone you know, because it's that's the only way that people will realize that actually the European Super League may not be perfect, but it's damn well better than what we've got, what mm. we're going to be served to over the yeah. next 10 years. Well, let's hope Jamie Carragher definitely isn't a pundit on the Super League. Uh, no, he won't be. I don't, I don't, no, 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 he won't be. Uh, <laughs> okay, he, right. That's all we have time for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday for our Q&A episode uh, and then again on Thursday for um, our review uh, episode in which we'll review 
Milan against um, Tottenham in the Champions League, plus the the Monday evening Serie A games uh, interplaying against um, Sampdoria. And we'll preview the week upcoming games of the Serie A as well in that weekend. And also, so please uh, remember, guys, if you're listening to this, this is a free show uh, on Spotify and iTunes and whatever platform you're listening to. Please give us a subscribe and five stars and write a favorable comment, preferably. Uh, It really helps us a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. See you next time. Ciao, ciao.